I'm going to transition us out of understanding Jesus into a series called Frequency. To understand Jesus, we need to be on his frequency. Can you say amen? It's one thing to want to understand him. We can read his word, but we need to hear his voice. And to hear his voice, we have to be on his frequency. If we have any hope of understanding what the word of God is saying to us, it would be to hear the voice of God speak to us. The, the logos, the written word of God that we read, must become rhema, the spoken word of God in our lives. Amen? And so um, I think that we're living in times very similar uh, to the time of Amos. And in Amos chapter 8, it's not going to be on the screen. Like I say, write the reference down. Go and read some of this this week. But uh, this is what it says. It says, The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of God, but they will not find it. I believe we live in in times similar to the times of Amos. People are looking to everything else. We've talked a good bit about how Folks will look to government and they look to every other thing for, uh, to have a solution for the issues in their life. And what we need is we need a word from God. Can you say amen? We need to hear from heaven and that will give us hope. Very important that, that in the midst of that we recognize that to do that, uh, we got to be on God's frequency. Uh, frequency, uh, if you think about it, how many of you have a radio in your car? How many of you tune it in? Now, nowadays, you can push a button that, that says scan. Anybody use that? And, and it'll run through frequencies. It'll run through all those numbers until it lands on a frequency that connects, right? If you tune it by hand, it'll go... And you're like, oh, I'm getting close. Next one, it's like, boom. You're on the frequency, and in comes the words. And... It's not much different where it comes to God. How many have a cell phone? Uh, you know, we call it signal. In a sense, it's a frequency. There's a signal being sent out, and if you don't have, you know, you get in a, a bad location, you don't have enough bars to connect with the frequency, connect with the signal. Isn't that right? But you get in a good location, and, and you've got all the bars you need because you're on the same frequency, and you have access to it. You're in a good location, and you've got the right frequency. I want to ask you a question. Where are you at today? What's your location concerning uh, connecting with Jesus? Are you in a good location? Do you have obstacles in the way of your connection with Jesus? What, 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 what channel are you on, if you will? What frequency are you on? Is it, are your thoughts, you know, his thoughts? They will be if you're in his word. They will set you on a right path where it comes to knowing what Jesus is thinking, knowing what Jesus is speaking, as long as you're making that connection. But if you're not, what happens is, is that it's like, I don't understand why God isn't saying something to me, why God's not helping me with my life. And, and I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. His word, by the way, will not return to him void. It will accomplish that which he sent it out for. He didn't just send it out. How did God send his word out? Anyone? He spoke it forth. Holy men of God, when you think of the scriptures, they wrote what they were hearing the Spirit of God speak. God is speaking. The question is, are we on his frequency? We can never understand Jesus if we don't get on his frequency. 
our scripture for the Understanding Jesus series. I want to read that again as we transition into our scripture for the Frequency series. And that was John 8, 31 through 32. And it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now we talked about uh, if we remain faithful to his teachings, then we have a hope of knowing his truth. And if we have a hope of knowing his truth, then we will have freedom in our life. But if we don't stay faithful to his teachings, if we don't stay in his word and we don't follow him and listen for his voice, tune into that frequency so that we can hear him speak his word, not just that we read it, but we hear him speaking it and it comes alive in us, then we have no hope of attaining that freedom that we all desire. Now, transitioning into this series, John 10, 3 through 5 says, To him the doorkeeper opens. This is Jesus is the doorkeeper. If, if you knock on the door, he's going to open. And this is what happens. It says, And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He's calling you individually by your name, and he will lead you out. What does that mean? He'll lead you out into green pastures for your life. He'll lead you into that freedom that we've been talking about for so many weeks, that, that we want life and life at its best. And Jesus, if you will answer, if you'll listen for his voice, and then you'll answer him and follow him, he'll lead you into green pastures, a better life. The sheep hear his uh, voice, he calls them out, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. He doesn't go behind us. Now, God goes before us and he's our rear guard. I get that. You know, he's going to protect his sheep. This is tough. <laughs> God goes before us and he's our rear guard, but this is referring to the, 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 the shepherd. He doesn't drive sheep. A shepherd leads sheep. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he didn't do first. It's like, wait a minute, are you telling me he's asking me to go to the cross? Uh, Actually, yes, he does. You can't pay for your own sins, but you can follow him and be an example of his life so that others know how to come to his cross. Pick up your cross daily, the Bible says, and follow him. Once again, that's that, if you will you know, heed my commandments, if you'll follow my commandments, if you'll pay attention to my commandments, then you're going to come to a place of understanding him and walking and following him. See, that conditions you to hear his voice, to get on the right frequency where you can hear Jesus. It's like Jesus died on the cross so I don't have to sacrifice anything in my life. Come on now. Isn't that what we all want to believe, though? It's like he did everything, I don't have to do anything. And that's not what the scriptures teach us. I can't save myself, but once I'm saved, Jesus asked me to follow him, and there will be sacrifice to my life. I will have to sacrifice many times what I want to do because it doesn't honor or glorify God and choose to follow him, to lay my life down and follow Christ. Amen? That puts me on his frequency. It says he goes before the sheep, and they, uh, his sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Have you ever, I mean, let's put it this way, somebody does something wrong to you, and you want to wrong them back, and you know that's the voice of the stranger? It's like, uh, return what for evil, anyone? Is there, any, there anybody learned in the Bible in here today? What do you return, if somebody does evil to you, what do you return to them? Kindness, right? Good. You know, return kindness for evil. It's like you get into a situation and somebody does something to you. There's two voices that are clicking right along, and that is this. 
get them back. <laughs> Jesus is saying, no, bless them. And then you find yourself in that battle. The spirit man is warring against the flesh, the carnal man. And that battle begins to wage. It's like, no, I'm going to get them back. I won't honor Jesus. You know, you, you kind of have that, I'm doing this wiggle because it's like, I'm going to go this way. And, you know, right? The spirit warring against the flesh. You want to go one way, but the spirit's tugging you the other way. And this is what I would say. Get on Jesus' frequency and you'll experience blessing because this is what the Bible says. That in doing so, when you bless somebody that curses you or treats you wrong, then in doing that, when you treat them right, what you do is heap, the Bible says you heap hot coals on their head. Yeah, that's right. Burn. Let them burn. Those hot coals are there to to make them um, think. Heaping those hot coals on their head what, what that has to do with, you, you, see, when you, do, when you act towards people like Jesus acts towards people, rather than the way people act toward people most of the time, what happens is, is that there's what's known as a baptism of fire, that you're actually functioning in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Not, you're not the anointed one, but it's his anointing that comes on you to actually bring conviction to that person for the way that they're behaving you become the example of who Jesus is to them with flesh on. Does that make sense? So if we're to hear, getting on the same frequency, then we've got, uh, we've got to prepare to hear. So preparing to hear, uh, there's some keys to that, but let me give you a few scriptures before we get into them. Proverbs 3, 6, where, where hearing is concerned, says, Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He is the one... He's the one who will keep you on track. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, because he's the one who will keep you on track. If you're ever concerned about getting you know, off track or getting off frequency, not, not being connected to the Lord, all you've got to do is listen. Here's what that looks like. Um, to listen simply is this. Get quiet. And open your ears more than your mouth. How many, when you think of prayer, most of us think, uh, let me tell God everything I need him to do in my life, right? There's nothing wrong with that. We know that is prayer petition. You know, but the psalmist talked about, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be glorifying to God. Isn't that right? And so how do we glorify God? Don't glorify your problems. Don't glorify your situation. Don't glorify what, what others may have done wrong to you, but rather Lift up what God wants to do in your life. Allow him to respond to a heart that is reflecting uh, love and honor and praise to him for who he is. And, and watch what he does in your life. He'll surprise you with, uh, what does he do? He, he's behind you, right? He's trying to drive you into that green pasture, isn't that right? No, no, he's leading you there. The question is, are you following? Or are, you, are you trying to lead God or are you allowing God to lead you? To allow God to lead you is this. you got to listen for his voice. That's what this is saying. You listen for his voice. And what he's going to do, he's going to guide you everywhere you need to go. And what's going to happen is, is you're going to end up in a place that is better. And by ending up in that place, look, doesn't mean without problems. But when you're better in the midst of your problems than everybody else is in the midst of their problems because they don't have the hope of hearing God's voice, they don't hear his voice concerning where they're at, 
they feel like they're all alone. When you have confidence in that place, what happens is they're looking at that and saying, how can you have confidence in your situation? I'm not drawing confidence from myself. I'm drawing that confidence from what I hear God saying. I love how the scriptures will say so often, this came to pass. <laughs> and, and that's a great, I've heard so many preachers refer to that in, in my lifetime, that know that the things that go on in our life, they come and they pass. The question is, is are your eyes, is your heart, and is your mind set upon God? Because as it, as it comes to pass in your life, God will be at work with, in, in, in the middle, if you will. He'll be at work in the midst of the situation. Luke 8 and 8 says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have ears to hear what God is saying today? I, I don't know that I'm speaking as much to the natural ears as I am the spiritual ears. Yes, if you've got ears and you can hear, when you hear something being said, is it speaking to you and is it altering the way that you see things? Are you on God's frequency? Now we go into uh, a lot of what Jesus would use. He used parables so much to bring people to the place that even though they couldn't hear, they were hearing him speak, they couldn't hear. He talked about it that these people hearing, they do not hear. Seeing, they do not see. So I teach them in parables. And so Jesus taught in parables so that people that were dull of seeing spiritually, they could see things physically, but dull of seeing spiritually, it would open their eyes to, to see and to understand him and that they would hear and they would understand him is that Jesus talked a lot about preparing our heart. In Luke 8, 5 through 8, this is the parable of the sower, if you will, and it says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. They had no root in them. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Now to understand uh, uh, where Jesus is at in this parable, this is the parable that Jesus says, if you understand this parable, if you understand the parable of the sower, you'll understand all parables. Jesus sets the precedent of what we want to do. We want to understand Jesus. If you understand this parable, then you'll understand all parables. You'll understand all my teachings, right? If they that believe will follow my commands, right, they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. You come to understanding by recognizing how the kingdom of God operates. It's what's the condition of your soul. What's the condition of of your heart is your heart prepared for what God wants it is your heart prepared to hear God speak so to prepare our heart we have to recognize I'm going to give you four areas to recognize in preparing your heart number one when we look at this parable in a sense uh, and I've I've kind of given them the titles of number one's the polluted heart the polluted heart you got to you got to deal with the things that are trying to come in or are in your heart the need to be purified. Luke 8, 12 says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil, there's, the, there, there's why, the, polluted, the devil will come to pollute your heart. By the way, do you know the devil knows the word of God very, very well? He probably knows the word of God better than we do. 
And he knows exactly how to twist and turn it. He knows exactly how to get us to focus on one specific. He knows, he knows how to get people to just read scriptures that as they're reading through it, it's like, yeah, I messed up, I messed up. And, and man, I feel so condemned after reading the scripture. Well, then you're not reading it right. He knows how to get people to read scriptures. And it's like, you know what cherry picking is, right? Anybody know what cherry picking is? Right? That's the one where you paste all the blessing scriptures, you know, on your, your mirror when you're brushing your teeth and you're shaving, you know, you know, you know. The Lord, you know, is going to bless me, you know, in my coming in, in my going out. And the, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But would you follow the scripture that would say to you that, um, that you're to be a disciplined one, that you're to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Well, God doesn't make me fear. We're not talking about I fear God's going to uh, destroy me or punish me. But rather, I fear God, I reverence God in his ways, and I'm asking him to help me to live that out, to work my salvation out, to be like Jesus, to understand him so I can walk in that freedom, to be on his frequency so I can hear his voice speak to me in any given situation in my life. Can you say amen? And so we got to deal with that, that polluted heart. James 1.21 says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough. Listen, it is strong enough to save your soul. The implanted what? What's it say? Accept the message, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough to save the message, the words. Being on his frequency and hearing him. See, if the word of God's good for uh, instruction, reproof, and correction, according to the book of Timothy, if it's good for that, then how is it instructing me concerning my life? How is it reproving me? How is it correcting me? And I gotta, be, I gotta recognize all of that. Watch, I gotta recognize that as positive. Parents, is correction in your kid's life a positive thing? It's a positive thing to you in the sense that you know it's the best thing, positive, it's the best thing for them, correct? To them, it doesn't feel positive, does it? And the Bible actually says this, that no chastisement, no discipline seems to be um, pleasant at the time, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Is that a positive thing? That's absolutely a positive thing. But you gotta get on that frequency. You gotta accept what God's word's saying about that in your own lives. You know, I'm using that, that with our kids when we do that. We know that that needs to be done so they'll, they'll be on the right path. Well, God does the same thing through his word, and sometimes it feels like correction, but no, it's not a negative. It's a positive in your life. The second thing is the distracted heart. The distracted heart. Luke eight thirteen, the rocky soil, represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing begin to blow. It, it's pretty simple. Um, raise your hands if you've done some kind of garden before. A lot of you. Anybody farm? Most of you know I grew up on a farm. I've told this story before. I remember we had an area, and it's, it's like your fields, you've got rolling hills in Ohio, and so we had this area, and it, it kind of had this rolling hill, and it was a bottom ground, so it had more moisture than a lot of them, and so it actually yielded a really good crop. Right down along where the, the creek would run through, 
uh, sometimes that would flood and it would be bad, but that, that field would actually still yield much more because it was in a spot where it was, you know, the sun wasn't beating down on it and drying it out, and it was able to flourish. However, in that same area, along, along one of these rolling areas, and you could farm it all because it, it's not a mountain, it's just a rolling hill. So you can plant on the rolling hills. And so, but this one particular area had a whole swath through it, like the length of the field that was just filled with rocks. And every time we plowed it and, and dissed it, uh, what would happen is, is uh, I didn't, not diss, disc. Uh, it's like round blades that would run through it and break up the soil. It would expose all these rocks. And to my eternal sorrow, Brent and I, my brother, uh, had to go out in that field. <laughs> when, when once the field was harvested, basically what would happen is, is we would plow it up and it exposes the rocks. Don't be disappointed when God's word begins to break your heart. When it begins to reveal that there's rocks in your soil. Just start picking the rocks out. Yes, it's hard work, but it's worthy work because you'll yield a greater harvest in your life. And so Brent and I would be, I mean, night and day because, you know, there's no crop in the field. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's cleaned off to where all that can be seen. Um, and it's not like you're planting. So in the off season, we call it. Look, in the off seasons of your life, sometimes you can do the best work in your life. And God can do the best work in your life because you're focused on dealing with things that hinder you flourishing in the best times of your life. We would out all day long putting these rocks on a wagon, loading the wagon up and haul the wagon over and throw them over in the creek bottom. Back to the field, load the rocks up more, on and on and on, day after day. I'd rather be on a tractor planting that field. I'd rather be in a combine harvesting that field. Wouldn't we rather be, in a sense, in the tractors of our life, you know, planting our fields or on the combines of our life, harvesting, bringing in that harvest, you know, the blessing of God in our life, sure, but know that the work that we do in between those seasons are some of the best work we can do so the harvest and the planting time can be profitable. Amen? Luke eight thirty nine through 40 says, uh, And she had a, a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. Serving's a good thing, but if you're constantly in activity, and what did I say about hearing the voice of God? See, you hear the voice of God, it'll move you to serve. But if, if you think that just doing things and serving, and, and I'm going to help these people, but I don't have a word from God of how to help them or when to help them, uh, it's not going to work very well. It's important to get that time to where you rest, and you, and you just get quiet before the Lord, and let him download you with a word from heaven. Why? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Say proceed. That's not a word that was spoken yesterday. That's a word that's spoken now. See, sometimes, and it's interesting, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. So you go back to the time of Moses, the children of Israel, they're in, they're in the wilderness, they're hungry, right? They don't have any food, and they start complaining and moaning and groaning. And, and, and they wake up, and God, of course, Moses goes to God, he prays for the people, he, he, he brings the complaint to the Lord, if you will. And the next morning they wake up, and can anybody tell me what was laying on the ground? 
Manna. Does anybody know what the word manna means? Say manifest. manifest. You know what manifest means? It was just there. There was manna on the ground, and it was basically, it was, it was just a light bread. It was like, it was kind of like a croissant. <laughs> it was delicious bread. And they're going out there and like, this is really good. And they want to pack that up. And, you know, they're grabbing it all they can get. And they take it back to their, their tent. And, you know, the next morning when they wake up, the stored up bread, can anybody tell me what happened to the stored up bread? There was worms in it. It would only keep for the day. They could only use what they found that day, that day. And the next day they had to go out and get more. It is no different with the word of God in our life. It's not just a word. It's a, it's a now word. It's today's word for our life. Let me ask you, are you on his frequency today or are you on a frequency from a year ago, a month ago, you know, a week ago? Be on, on, on God's frequency each and every day of your life and what you'll have is you'll have the living bread. Jesus himself, relationship with the living bread. That's what he called himself. I am the living bread. And you'll have a relationship with the living bread of God that will sustain you spiritually, will feed you, and it won't be wormy bread. It won't be something you're reading in the scripture. It's like, oh, I gotta do my devotional today, and oh, I just, yeah, man, this just doesn't taste good, and man, what is wrong with this? And you hear me. But if you got that, and let me give you another uh, thought on the word frequency. Frequency just isn't uh, a signal, if you will, do you know frequency is how often you do it? If you want to be on God's frequency, what does he say? The psalmist said this. He said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. It wasn't early one morning a year will I rise up and seek thee. Early one morning a month will I rise up and seek thee. Early one morning a week I'll rise. Early in the morning, distinguishing that early every morning I'll rise up and seek thee. Why? Because my frequency and approach to God also puts me on God's frequency of communication. Can you say amen? The third, the immune heart, or excuse me, the immature heart. The immature heart. Luke 8, 14. The seed that fell among weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures and they do not mature they do not mature um, I like Ephesians 4 11 through 16 to reflect on that with regard to as it's saying these do not mature because all the other stuff all the other issues in life all the other voices that we've talked about so many times all the other things that are coming in are choking out your ability to mature because you're giving it greater place than what will cause you to mature and that's the word of God and that's where in Ephesians 4 that Jesus establishes how it is that we grow up, not being children that are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, right? Running after what we want to hear rather than what we need to hear a lot of times. When you slap that plate of food down in front of your kids and it's got green beans and, you know, all the other food they don't want, uh, you know, well, can I just have Doritos, parents? How many of you go, here's your bag of Doritos, how many of you ever put a plate of food because your kids refused to, to, to eat it and you knew it was what was best for them, but they refused to eat it and you put it in the refrigerator because they'll be really hungry in the morning? Know that 
that, that what's most beneficial for us sometimes is not what we want to hear. It, but it is important for us to hear it. Jesus established a direction so that in the church, we would be able to hear the word of God, be equipped for the work of ministry, and that we would grow up and mature in Christ. Listen to this in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. That means the building up of the body of Christ, that, that we'll minister to one another. When we're on God's frequency, what happens when you're on God's frequency and someone else is not? And God, because you're on his frequency, speaks something to you that you can go and share with another brother or sister in Christ. And it, edi- it builds them up. And all of a sudden, they find themselves like, wow, I just feel like I connected with God. I feel like I'm on God's frequency all of a sudden. And then they begin to pursue God all the more. Um, It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we become like Christ. Watch this, what it says next. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed through and to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. What is that? That basically I'll give you the word you need to hear so that you'll, you'll like me or you'll do what I want you to do. Manipulation of the people of God so that you'll do what I need you to do, not necessarily what God needs the body of Christ to do. Can you say amen? See, I don't, I don't need a, uh, a private Learjet and, come on now, That's what this is speaking to, that when men begin to use the word of God for gain rather than for the gain of the kingdom. Come on. We see that in our society today on every side. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the body of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What that's speaking to is as we grow up, as we get on God's frequency, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, these are people who are meant to communicate the word of God to understand this. Apostles, look up here with me. Let me use this hand. How many of you have seen the hand illustration of the five-fold ministry before? Anybody? You guys are quiet this morning. Are you getting anything out of it? Good. The hand has been used many times to instruct to what the five-fold ministry is to the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Apostles, what we find the apostles doing in, in the scriptures is they govern, meaning they, they lead the body, a family, of God that we're going to get along and we're going to work together to build the kingdom of God. And we're going to be about the Great Commission. And we're going to be about people finding their gifts and helping them get set where they governing. This is your gift and serve in that capacity because you're going to minister to the needs of other believers. You're going to edify the body. You're going to build the body up with your gifts. They help to get things set in order to set people in place. Prophets, uh, uh, pointer, this is pointer. Say it, this is pointer, this. Come on, have a little bit of fun. This is pointer, this is. Prophets give direct, they show the way. Evangelists, uh, the longest finger on the hand, they reach out the furthest. 
in your hand. They're, they're the ones that, you know, tip of the finger. You ever reach for something and it's like you're trying to get a hold of it and it's like that's the finger, you, you know, and you kind of pull it into the others? The evangelist is going to teach the body of Christ to reach the furthest. So apostles govern what they're going to do is help people get set where they're supposed to go. Prophets guide. They, they help people understand, by the way, how to hear the voice of God, to get direction for their life so that what happens is we're all going the way that Jesus wants us to go. Evangelists are going to teach us. And what they're going to do is they equip us so that we are going to reach out and draw others in to the kingdom of God. Pastors, the love gift ministry to the bride of Christ. You wear your ring. How many got a a wedding ring on your finger. They affirm and they reaffirm people. It's like, you just don't know what I've done, Pastor. I've sinned so bad, Jesus can't take me back. He can. He's big enough. He, once and for all. Let me, let me share some theology with you. Jesus died on the cross for all sin. Once and for all. Not uh, just for a few of your sins. And, you know, if you mess up, then you can't come back to him. No, the Bible says that if you're faithful to confess your sins, God's faithful and just to do what? Forgive your sins. And the pastor will affirm and reaffirm people. Look, just, just keep, on, you know, keep working out your salvation with fear and trembling unto God. The day that you don't care that you're sinning. The day that you no longer have conviction of your sin. The day that you, look, if you're, if you're the one saying, I just don't know if I could go to heaven. and uh, you know, It's like, that's breaking you? That you're scared that you've done something that, that God maybe can't keep you? The day that you don't care anymore, then I might have some concern for you. Come on now, that was better than you let on. The day that you don't care anymore, yeah, there's probably going to be some concern. But as long as you care, as long as you desire, as long as there's remorse and conviction about those things, then God, God can help you go the right way. The teacher, uh, it's like, how do, you, how do you apply that finger? Because I don't know how you pick your ear, but I pick my own my little finger. I don't do it with my thumb. <laughs> it's like he gets in there and he'll open the ears, let him who has ears to hear, hear. A teacher has a way of breaking the word of God down that you literally could listen to him for hours. You might already know I'm not a teacher. You didn't get that. (laughs) A teacher has a way of just opening up to listen better than we do. Now, in doing that, I'm just saying that this is what Jesus established. These gifts to equip the saints, to equip the saints to be an apostolic church. The apostle equips the church to be a, a going church. That's what it means, sent forth, that we are to go forth and bring others to the Lord. We're to go forth and establish the kingdom of God. We need to be a people who hear the voice of God, a prophetic people. That It's not what we got yesterday. It's not the manna of yesterday. It's the, the daily word that we receive from the Lord. Prophet. Here's the voice of God. Teaches the people of God to hear the voice of God. Evangelists, we need to be evangelistic people. We need to reach people for Christ, amen? And we need to be a loving, caring people who affirm and reaffirm people. And we need to people, be a people, and this is the one. So you've got apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral people, and then, say, didactic. Yeah. The teacher helps the people of God to be didactic, meaning that they're able to Study the word of God and break it down and communicate it to someone else where the principles of God are concerned and so on and so forth. Uh, what that means, if, or if we were to look at that from a scriptural standpoint, the Bible says this. Well, I'm not a teacher. Well, the Bible says we all, say all, all. 
we all ought to be apt to teach. We ought to be able to teach the word of God to other people. Number four. Number four, the prepared heart. The prepared heart. Luke 8, 15 says, but the seed on good soil, sorry, but the seed on good soil stands for those who are noble and good heart, um, with a noble and good heart, who hear the word of God, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. They produce a crop. Let me give you three things that you need to do with regard to making sure your heart is prepared to hear from God. One, repent. Repent. Anybody that would say, well, I don't have, I'm not a sinner. I don't have sin in my life. Let me just go ahead and say, it, it, the Bible says this. If, you, if we say that we have no sin, um, we're a liar. <laughs> Every one of us mess up. Every one of us falls short. And it's so, so important to understand what it is to repent. Can anybody say what repentance is? It's going another way. It's kind of a 180. It's kind of, I'm going this way, but I turn and I begin to go this way. See, sin walks away from God. Repentance walks back to God. Does that make sense? We all need those areas in our life from time to time. Feel remorse for what you've done, but accept God's grace and walk his way. Amen? Uh, The second thing, refocus. Refocus. That means to adjust one's view. To adjust one's view. Um. Our ways aren't God's way. Our ways are not God's ways. His ways are higher, and and they're greater than our ways. But when we get in the Word of God and we're praying and we're having that frequency of time with Him and we're on His frequency, we, we hear His Word and it causes us to change our focus. Number three, revive, revive. That's an area that I would say um, we've heard of revival in the church. You can't force revival. Revival in the church, here's how revival happens. When all of a sudden God's moving in extraordinary ways, people's lives are being transformed and changed by the word of God. A community is completely being transformed. Let's go to, if you will, the book of Acts. And, and you got to understand, all of Israel were, were following the law. They were dead in trespasses and sins, but thought they were fine the way that it was and crucified the Lord and Savior, didn't recognize it and were still dead in trespasses and sins. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and he preaches the first message of the church. And when he does, more than 3,000 come to the Lord. That's revival. So many people that are coming to the Lord, it's kind of like, what do you do with all those people? The cool thing about revival is, is that we're not looking to one person. You're not looking to one church. You're not looking to one home group. You're not looking to one individual in that regard. What, what happens is, is the people of God begin to minister to one another, and they're ministering to the people that are coming. But what revive means is it means come back to life. Now, I would say that we need to come back to life in the church in America. Can you say amen? amen. You know, they say we're a post-Christian society. Many people say that they believe in God, but yet have no... no um, no commitment to follow him or to read his word. Uh, so many that would say they're, they're uh, Christians don't believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> they, they don't believe the basic premises of the Bible. They, they, don't, they don't embrace that. And, and as a result, it lacks the anointing of God in declaration because all it is is words. They're words with no power because they do not acknowledge the one who gives us power. And that's Jesus. 
He, his name, that, that, that he has been given a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he's Lord. To declare lordship uh, in our life about Jesus, what that means is, is we're acknowledging he's the one with the power. And when we acknowledge he's the one with the power, guess what? Well, those who believe and follow his commands, they'll know the truth and the truth will set them free. And when you're walking in freedom, you have the power. You have the power of God in you to go and break the chains that others are bound by. You have the power to break the chains of sin at the name of Jesus. That when you pray for someone, you know, in the name of Jesus, I declare over them that they won't be under depression. In the name of Jesus, I declare over them that they are the healed of the Lord. I declare, you're hearing me here, that we have power in the name of Jesus. And the thing is, we don't use the name of Jesus like we used to use the name of Jesus because people misunderstand Jesus. You start using the name of Jesus and everybody's like, oh, look, you know, don't talk religion here. I don't want to talk religion to you. I want to talk about a person. And his name is Jesus. And he came and died on the cross that you might have life and you might have it more abundant. And not just any kind of life, but life, life here and now and life for all eternity. There is no one else that can provide that to mankind. Jesus is the only one that can. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And if we're to see people revived, brought back from the dead is another word for revive. Or another explanation or uh, definition for revive is brought back from the dead. And there's a lot of walking dead. How many of you have w- watched that series, The Walking Dead? I can't stand it. And whatever. How many, how many know what I'm talking about, The Walking Dead? And he, it's like, well, it's kind of a zombie movie. I won't admit that in the church. And if you watch it, you watch it, you know. But point being is, is that, you know, people are taken with that kind of movie. Have you noticed that? They're taken with those kind of shows. It is all the rave in our society. And the reality is, is that people may not have, like, ooze coming out of their side of their face and, you know, doing that stuff. But let me say, on the inside, that's exactly what they look like. They're dying. And they're, they're on their way to eternal torment. But we have a message that can free them and give them eternal life. As I close this morning, what we're going to do is receive communion as a response um, to getting on the same frequency with Jesus. Let me read this scripture to you out of 2 Corinthians 7.1 from the Message Bible. It says, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or destructs us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. To truly understand Jesus, we need to hear what he is saying to us. God's voice is the clearest in a prepared environment. Everything I was talking about today is really getting on his frequency, but it's only a prepared environment. Your heart has got to be prepared for the Lord, prepared to hear him so that when he speaks, trust me, when you hear God, you'll have no problem locking in. Anybody ever heard the Lord speak to him? Stand your feet with me if you would.